0: Welcome to The Inspiration Accelerator, hosted by Michael Sonberg, founder and CEO of Rebel Culture and Skyrocket Education. Each week, we'll talk to a different inspiring person in the world of leadership, personal development, career, family, fitness, and beyond. Buckle up for The Inspiration Accelerator.
1: All right, everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Inspiration Accelerator. I'm Michael sonbert excited to be back here for another episode. I always start every episode with something inspiring that I saw. So I'll share this story. I was out for a, um, a walk the other morning, and it was uh, wind chill, negative like 14 degrees here in New York. And... I'm out and I'm the only person out. It's like 6 a.m. And so sun's barely up on its way up and I'm the only person out and everything's still and quiet. And there's like that kind of, uh, sleet. It's not even sleep because it's frozen. Cause it's so cold. There's like this like ice on the ground and I'm walking over that and I'm kind of like, I'm feeling myself a little bit. I'm thinking like, wow, nobody else is out. Nobody else kind of, uh, is pushing themselves in the way I'm pushing myself folks hear this kind of weather and where they, well, they feel it and they run they run for cover and here I am heading out in it and I'm walking toward this house and I notice in the fence uh on the fence next to the house there's what looks like a pair of pants uh you know it looks like somebody uh is drying their pants on the on the uh fence which is kind of crazy in sub-zero weather but um you know who am i to judge? And as I get closer and closer, I realize it's not a pair of pants, and it's actually a wetsuit, and that there's a person at this house who had just gone into the the Atlantic Ocean in uh, sub-zero, freezing cold, insane weather. I imagine it's a, uh, that he uh, that he or she's a surfer. Uh, surfing's huge here, uh, maybe not huge, but it's big here. And the person's uh, going in the ocean. And it was like humbling. It was good humbling, though, that I'm like, here I am kind of feeling myself a little bit. And here's this person. Sure, they had a wetsuit on, but if you've ever been in freezing cold, a freezing cold ocean with a wetsuit on, it's still it's things like hell. Your face is getting, you know, uh, you know, torn apart from the from the water. Maybe not literally, but it feels like it. It's still really cold. And uh, it was just a good reminder of like wherever you are, there's somebody who's pushing themselves harder there's somebody who's further along i don't mean that in a negative way that we should feel uh bad about that but just in like a hey like remember that there's always somebody uh somebody you can strive to uh to catch up to so i hope that was a bit of inspiration for you all uh today and at that uh with that i'm gonna bring out our guest uh he is a musician an entrepreneur a graphic designer a dad, a husband, an amateur chef, and also one of my closest friends for a very, very long time. His name is Keith Hilly. Keith, welcome to the Inspiration Accelerator, man. Thanks for being here.
2: Thanks so much for having me, man. Thank you so much. I am
1: fired up to chat uh, with you on this. Uh, And Um, one of the things, yeah, man, one of the things, and by the way, for for our listeners, today's a little bit of a different Inspiration Accelerator because we're going to end today's session with a song he's gonna actually play a song for us which i'm really fired up for uh, so stay tuned if you're a live music fan hang tight he's gonna play some some music for us but um before we get there keith talk to us a little bit about uh, your journey man i mean we know each other because we were playing in bands together back what feels like 100 years ago and smoky clubs it shows our age because you're still allowed to smoke in the clubs back then and we were playing shows together and writing songs together. And now you're, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you do graphic design. Talk to us about your journey to get from point A to point B, or maybe from point A to point X or wherever yeah. you are in your evolution.
2: So we'll start with the music thing, you know, since I was a young teenager, I just I've always loved music. You know, my my house, we always had guitars laying around and my mom played the piano and and she sang. So, you know, it was always accessible to us. And at an early age, I remember just picking up the guitar, not taking any lessons or anything like that, but just kind of falling in love with the instrument like right away. And with that came, you know, hey, there's a there's a uh, battle of the bands this week at the high school Let's get my band in there. And and that was the first time I ever had to kind of perform in front of an audience, like not only just one or two people, but this was like a 100 something people, parents Mm -hmm. and kids and kind of just threw myself out there. I mean, I remember being super nervous and super like, holy crap, what the hell did I just sign us up for? But it was at that moment that I realized like, okay, we have a band. We've never done this. I need to lead these guys and get them fired up to perform yeah. on stage for their first time. And like, we got to kick everybody's ass. And we did, we, we, we played great. And it was, it was, uh, it was a great night, but, you know, fast forward to, you know, 10 years later. Uh, well, being, like, let, me,
1: let me pause right I there for done. one second, because I think this is something that, and what we'll, we'll talk about on this episode, things like kind of betting on yourself and, and showing up big, which is, you know, really the main reason I wanted to have you on, which I'll, I'll get to in a second, but, you know, this is really an unnatural thing. I don't think this happens anywhere else in the animal kingdom. Maybe it, maybe it does with like, I don't know, primates or something. But like, I don't think people or are, are, are animals are saying, hey, come watch me do this thing. Everybody like line up, you know, let's get us a hundred other animals here and watch me do this thing. This feels like it's really specific to human beings. And what, what is that? What is that thing that sounds like? Because you're still playing music now. What is that thing that sounds like and looks like? Hey, I've got something that I want to show everybody or that I want you to listen to what, what drives that
2: and how freaking scary is it? It's definitely scary, but what drives it is the, the look on people's faces like of excitement and pure joy and happiness. And for me, it's all about the connection. Like, you know, I had somebody recently say to me, you know, I, I asked him to, to play some piano on on a, one of my gigs and he was like, Hey, man, you know, I, I still play, but when you play, like you kind of almost demand attention <laughs> from, mm. from the room. And he mm. was saying kind of in a negative way. And I was like, yeah, I do. I, it's <laughs> kind of like what I do. That's the whole point. Like I want to connect yeah. with everybody, like the people all yeah. in the back sitting down having dinner. So, so for me, it's once that connection happens, it's like a spark and I just get so pumped and so, you know, energized by it that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Are you the type of person I probably know this about you, but are you the type of person that like you let like, you like being the center of attention? You sure. like people? Like, yeah. Yeah. Sure.
2: Um, but what's interesting is you put a microphone in front of me with a guitar and a room full of people. I'm good. But you put yeah. a microphone and say, hey, you know, go up there and give a 10 minute speech or whatever. That's like a whole different animal. You know? Right. Right. It Really. Right. is. But, um, you know, being in a band really taught me that, you know, there's going to be times when you're going to be thrown into a situation where you don't know what's going to happen. The microphone might go out or the guitar cable might come out. The lights might go off or something may happen where you have to kind of pivot and just make the show memorable for people and connect.
1: It's interesting. I, uh, similarly to you, I love when like a whole group's attention is on me. I am much worse with like, small talk at a party with one person Mm -hmm. uh like if people are asking me a lot of questions uh like hey man where are you from i'm like oh my gosh (laughs) dude go away immediately but like the because i don't know i don't know why i think i like i like performance Mm -hmm. uh, and i like attention in that way i am much less interested in like Just lots of conversations with individual folks. Um, I shouldn't say I'm less interested. I don't think I'm as good at it as I am in the in the the other area.
2: Same, same for me. I I definitely, I think I thrive, you know, more in a a crowd setting or someplace. If if somebody's like, "Yeah, we're having a barbecue. We'd love for you to bring your guitar." Yeah, (laughs) that to me is like, "Let's go," you know. Yeah. Um, but to to go back to your other question, you know. Yeah, please i once we had the band kind of rolling it was when kind of websites and things really were starting to take off okay and and we needed some creative services and you know i I dabbled a little bit here and there on the computer you know with like photoshop and things but now we're at a point where people were like oh where's your press kit where's your website Mm. where's this where's that so i said all right i'm gonna learn this now you know and and I, i distinctly remember sitting in our drummer's basement you know, like on his little tiny laptop till like the wee hours of the morning, just trying to get a website together. And we did. And and then that actually led me to my next job as, you know, the webmaster for a radio station, which, mm. uh, you know, being a, a webmaster at a radio station, it's kind of killing two birds with one stone for me or or it's two passions of mine, you know? Put yeah. To, and that was, that was pretty cool. You know? Um, I think uh, I've been lucky in that sense that like my passion has kind of led me in the direction or, or has kind of carved out my career path, if you will. From- yeah, I
1: was going to say, you know, you currently you're, you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, your company's called uh, Hilly Design and uh, you do graphic design for folks. And so, I mean, I imagine there's a part of you that's like, All right, well, I'm not playing music necessarily as regularly as I was years ago, though you are still playing, which we'll get to shortly. But you're still able to be creative on a on a mm-hmm. daily basis. I mean, is that part of the motivation at this point?
2: Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I was lucky enough to spend 10 years as a, an art director with a creative team mm-hmm. at uh, Sam Ash Music, and it was awesome. It was a, it was I absolutely loved the job. And what was interesting about it though, was as much as I was surrounded with music gear and anything, I was like a kid in the candy store and anything I wanted to try and pick up and, you know, whether it be a guitar or a piano or drums, whatever, it was always there at my disposal, but it actually, you know, by the time I got home at night, I kind of didn't want to play and I didn't want to write. So for that, those 10 years, I actually didn't play as much, you know, it's like, what do they, they say the, uh. The mechanic's car, yeah, like broken down or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was kind of like that. It was actually kind of you know. Once I left the art director side and had to kind of create my freelance business, which grew into Hilly Design, that I was able to take a step back and say, "Man, you know, my passion really, obviously, it's it's the creative side of things, but music and performance." And this this last four or five years, I've been able to do that, which has been a lot of fun
1: what's the, uh, you know, you could have a different job. I mean, you left a, a nine to five uh, steady paycheck and decided to start your own company. We have a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to the show. And even beyond that, one of the things i become like really obsessed with lately is like, are people, even in, even in like nine to five salaried roles, are they willing to bet on themselves and either advocate for more money or advocate for a shift? In, uh, in whatever the, the the current paradigm is. And to say like, I am willing, I care about this enough that I'm actually willing to lose my job over this. Uh, and so, you know, you don't, I just wanna show up because I don't have to be an entrepreneur to, to get that idea of like betting on yourself. What's that like to step away from, or at least what it was it like for you to step away from, you know, here's my career and I get the, the, the paycheck every two weeks to say, hey, I'm gonna start my own company.
2: Yeah. So, you know, like I said, it was like a cushy job for me. Like I was, I had a team of designers. I had photographers Mm -hmm. and videographers and, and, you know, everything was at my disposal. I was lucky. I was, I was leading some people. Um, but it was, it was when, you know, we actually relocated and, um, it was when I started my own design company that I realized there was actually some freedom there, like not locked into the nine to five Mm -hmm. mentality of, of, you know, like I have to get this done or these deadlines, you know, things things kind of shifted. And I kind of made my own rules, if you will. And it it was it was scary as all hell at times, you know, Um, some months were better than others. Some years were better than others. But I realized that it was going to take time and there was going to be some processes in place that, you know, I was going to have to um, I was going to have to kind of take a little bit of of a step back as far as I'm not just going to be the art director or the creative director. I'm going to be in the weeds doing the design work for yeah. you know, X amount of time. And, and I did, you know, and I learned a lot from it.
1: That's cool. That's cool. One of the, one of the really main reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is because of all the people I know and of all the people I've met, you're probably the best that what I, what I refer to as like showing up and showing up big, uh, you know, whether it's uh, at a, at a party and making sure that everybody's taken care of, whether it's up on stage in front of a room full of people, and just making sure that like, you know, you're never at 95%. You're always at a hundred when it matters. And so I think more people need to adopt that. I think there are a lot of I see people like on oh, the line at Starbucks. I'll you know, like, I'm fine. If you like coffee, that's cool. i that's <laughs> it's fine. I'm not putting it down, but like it's really really. Uh, I lose my coffee before I can like live and like think somebody like you is just like, I just show up, man. I'm just, it's, I'm going to bring a hundred percent every time. So like, yeah. is this something that you know about yourself? Is this intentional? Like um, let's, uh, talk to us about that.
2: Yeah. So I, I, it's definitely intentional at times. And and I've come to know it about myself. You know, uh, recently I was asked to play a, uh, a holiday show, right? Yeah. At my local, my local HOA community here. And I said, sure, you know, I'll do the show. And and they said, if you want, put a band together or you can just play solo and be the guy in the corner, you know, with the guitar and just play. And I said, you know what, I'm going to make this big show for everybody, make it fun. And I got some local musicians together. And not only that, like I, I sat there for hours and hours and, created a set list and I agonized over every single, you know, chord chart and lyric sheet. Mm-hmm. I made sure all the musicians were prepared, you know, yeah. and I didn't necessarily have to do that, but I'm passionate about it. And I want it, yeah. I want them to have fun and feel comfortable. And I want the crowd to know that like, we didn't just throw this together. We, we practiced, we rehearsed and, you know, and it turned out to be a super success. They want us back like every holiday now. Really? Yeah, it's fun.
1: So that that kind of leads me to my next point, because you've got an opportunity when you share this, that you've got an opportunity sometimes, not necessarily being the most qualified person, but because the person who's giving you that opportunity is like, I need that person Mm -hmm. here. Uh, You know, I can relate to that. When I first started teaching, uh, I was not the best teacher in that school when I first started. Uh, I don't not even when I left either, although I did get pretty good. But they wanted me on that team, uh, two consecutive years. I got the biggest raise in the, in the entire school. Uh, and, and my boss wound up telling me that over, over a couple beers one night, uh, because, uh, because of the energy that I brought. And they knew that if they asked a question in a training that I was going to be the first one to raise my hand, even if I didn't have a great answer or a great, or, or even if they say, Hey, does anyone have any questions? Like I was going to raise my hand because I wanted to take the pressure off the facilitators. Mm. And I wanted to like set the tone for the rest of the people and right. uh, to set the tone for the rest of the people. And us. Even to this day, if I'm at a conference, I'm always the first person to raise my hand because I want to set the tone and I stand up and I share, I was at a conference back in October. That's uh, the most recent one I was at. And they asked, you know, who has something, uh, who has a question? I raised my hand. I stood up. I introduced myself to the room and then asked my question, and everybody followed suit. I'm not sure that everybody would have done that if I hadn't. And uh and so I'm I'm asking, like, for like you've got like this has gotten you places in life, right? You had successes because of this, right?
2: Absolutely. You actually just reminded me, you know, when I first started at Sam Ash, the 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 first year I was a graphic designer, and I, I totally remember Sammy Ash coming in and Mm. saying to our team, you know, like we need a solution for this store signage. What we have now is just not working. And he was totally pissed off and just disgruntled. And he's like, we've been working on this for 10 years. We can't get it right, blah, blah, blah. And I remember like, nobody really kind of, like you said, like raised their hand or nobody like got in and and tried to fix this. So immediately I was like looking around. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take this on right now and just, and just do it. And I did. And within six months, they asked me to be the art director, which was like, it was because of that kind of, you know, mentality or that kind of like, you got to kind of put yourself out there a little bit, raise your hand and and make it happen. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It's kind of leading me to, you know, I don't know if you have actual coaching on this. If you don't, that's fine. But you know, what are, I mean, what stops people from, Mm-hmm. I have some thoughts on this, but what stops people from from showing up in that way? I mean, is it just their own self uh confidence? Is it it's just easier? I see not a lot to, easier, of,
2: sorry, easier sorry not to,
1: right? Oh, go ahead, it's please. Easier
2: not to. It's easier not to raise your hand or it's easier to kind of just stay in your lane, you know?
1: Yeah, we um yeah, there's something there too. I mean, I, I've said this before. I don't think on this podcast, we um, you know, one of my companies, Skyrocket, works with a lot of schools, which you know. And a lot of times schools have assemblies for kids. And a lot of times those kids are uh tired and disinterested, and you know, and just dealing with other stuff too. In a lot of the, the areas where we work, there's other stuff happening, uh, obviously. Um But I see leaders, and sometimes it's teachers, and sometimes it's deans, and uh, lots of other folks. But I see folks who'll stand up in front of two, three, four hundred kids, and go all in, and really just say, like, "I'm putting, I'm moving all my chips to the to middle of the table here on this on this one, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna totally and completely, you know, uh, uh, what's the term? Sell out, not in a bad way, but like sell out on this idea right meaning like i'm i'm just gonna i'm gonna get everybody interested in this or i'm gonna die trying and and those folks are the those folks are really the they're the minority it's the it's the folks who get up and are you know timid uh with their kind of like their or hesitant with their speech timid with their ideas uh who, you know say well, yeah we don't we're not really big on like the rah-rah And I think to your point, it's easier not to. I think it's also scary as hell to do it. And folks like you and I, for better or for worse, we have decades of experience being up on stage in front of people, sometimes in front of audiences that don't like us very much. I mean, me more than you, but, (laughs) uh, but, but, uh, you know, as a part, I mean, is the, is the music is being up on stage and, having almost a a, a baptism by fire every time you head out there, is that, is that almost training for this, like showing up that you're talking about?
2: Yeah. I mean, part of it's definitely preparation. And, you know, when you're passionate about something, the preparation part is easy, right? Like with music, um, you know, you get up and you got a show in three days. So you do your set list, you do your exercises and trainings and things like that. Um, But once you get to the gig, there's always something, whether it be, like I said, the, the microphone's not working or you're you're not in, in the position where they, they told you you were going to be, they moved you to some other part of the venue, whatever, something like that, yeah, things like yeah. that. You got to be able to just go with that. And a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people will just shut down or or consider it some sort of a failure. I'm just like, all right, whatever we have to do, let's make it happen. You know? Um, yeah. So yeah.
1: I, uh, I remember, I'm remembering a story when I was a, a teacher uh, and they gave us an optional, uh, they gave us an optional choice to come to a networking event that they were having in downtown Philly for potential, uh, potential hires, potential teacher and, and, and school leader hires. And I remember talking to my colleagues that I was teaching with and, and almost everybody was like just down on the idea. I'm not going to that and they're not paying us for this and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And me and like one other guy wound up going and wound up meeting a bunch of people, but wound up talking to the CEO. The CEO was there and he wanted to know what we were doing there. Like not in a negative way, but like, Hey, we're like, where do you guys, where do you guys work? And we told them. And, uh, you know, next thing, you know, uh, we're, you know, shaking hands and, uh, uh, you know, he, we, we were going to some after party just with some other friends and he actually asked to join and so now we're hanging out with the CEO and uh, you know he had he'd had a couple of cocktails at that point that's fine but you know uh, next thing you know I'm getting all these opportunities to you know at, at the time the uh, the organization had about a thousand a thousand staff members and they asked me to do two years in a row they asked me to do the intro like when everybody came back in August, they asked me to, one of them was at the, the Wells Fargo Center where the Sixers and the, and the Philadelphia Flyers play. And here I am on the floor of the Wells Fargo Center talking to a, a thousand plus people and giving them a speech to fire them up. And I don't believe that happens. And by the way, it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. But again, showing up big to your point, like, I don't think that happens if I don't say yes to go into that networking event and get to connect with the CEO there. And I think there's a message here for the people listening, whether it's something that big or or something small that you got to show up, man, you got to do the extra, the extra stuff. I mean, does that resonate with you?
2: Absolutely. I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, I'll say yes to something and, and afterwards be like, wow, I've never done that before, you know, Yeah. What am I doing like, what am I doing? I just put a, 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 a tremendous amount of pressure on myself, but those are the times usually when I'll shine or I'll, you know, I'll connect with somebody in a way that I haven't yet. And to your point, like you'll get an opportunity that you weren't even thinking about.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, you know, recently I, I remember we were asked to go to the CMT Music Awards, my wife and I. with Yeah, uh, country, uh,
1: some the Country Music Awards.
2: Yeah, yeah. In Nashville. And um, we went and we had the best time. And we yeah. met some folks. Uh, it was actually from MTV. And um, when we got home, our friend, our our colleagues that were there with us that invited us, she called me. She said, Hey, you know, remember so-and-so I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, he wants you to come back and play at this like big country party for all these country celebrity stars. (laughs) And it was, it it didn't work out, unfortunately, like the dates didn't work out, but I was like, man, that's something I never would have like, it's crazy. It's just, um, like I said, when you're passionate and you show up big things like that happen.
1: That's so cool, man. It's so cool. Uh, talk to us a little bit about some of your own. I mean, you're you're a performer. Uh, you're also uh, this is an interesting piece of trivia. You're a voiceover artist. You do yes, commercials. Uh, yeah, I love how you did the voice. You're like, yes, sir. Yes, uh, I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listeners uh, of the show, Keith actually is the voice you hear in the intro. And the outro of uh, of
2: the Inspiration mm-hmm.
1: Accelerator. Can you give us a little taste of that?
2: Yeah, it's something like, "You're listening to the Inspiration Accelerator <laughs> with Michael Sonberg." <laughs> that That's right?
1: a talent, man. <laughs> like who Will Arnett is?
2: Yeah, I love the Will.
1: Actor. Arnett. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah,
2: he's great. Batman, he he's those, Lego uh, Batman.
1: Yeah, he does those same things, man. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, you're a voiceover artist as well. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about like. I mean, are there times, whether it's on stage or whether it's a design you're presenting to somebody, uh, or even voiceover work that you're doing, where you're just like, "Man, I don't, I don't have this," yeah, or like they're not going to like it, or like uh, that, just uh, that yeah. sick to your stomach feeling that most of us try our hardest to avoid.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, a couple of years ago, I got a call back for a voiceover for like an internal, um, like a manual read, you know, in, for an internal for a company's internal um, video system yeah and it was like 15 pages long when i got there but the way they handed me the script it was printed and it was in excel like a column of excel like down Just the middle down? It was like three so was like three words per line and i had <laughs> to read like 15 pages like this <laughs> And I'm like, wow, you know. So I'm in the booth, and this is like a a multi-million dollar studio. I'm talking into like a you know fifty thousand dollar microphone that Bill Murray actually was there like the week before speaking into the same microphone. Really? Yeah. And uh, amongst what uh, what did his breath smell like? Oh, it was amazing. It was like (laughs) scotch and soda. (laughs) <laughs> so anyhow i'm there and i'm i'm terrified because i'm trying to deliver these lines and i'm i i'm not a speed reader you know and i'm just yeah. like wow. so typically you know it's a whole different ball game when you're at home and you're in front of the mic and you, you kind of have your own printouts or your own sheets or whatever and you're doing your own thing but sometimes you're going to be put in situations where you know you're going to have to uh perform
1: well, did it work out? I mean, did you, did you get, did you it keep
2: did. the gig? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kept the gig and they loved it and they said, yeah. you did great, you know, but uh, it was, uh, it took me about 15, 20 minutes to kind of just be comfortable. I had to walk out of the room. She's like, all right, dude, you got this, man. It's no big deal. Just read. That's it. That's all you got, have to it. Do.
1: got it. Got so, it. What's uh? Do you ever feel pressure to show up? Um, I, I know I've felt this in the past and, and uh, I think part of it, if I'm being totally honest, I've probably designed my life and my career in a way that calls for me to always show up. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll walk into a room, whether it's skyrocket or rebel culture and whether it's, you know, five people or 500 they're um, they're, they're there in a lot of cases to listen to me and to hear my thoughts and to hear my expertise on whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes that's an enormous amount of pressure and, most of the time i'm fine with it but there are times when it it feels like a you know a hundred ton a hundred tons on my shoulders what do you ever feel that like showing up big and just the pressure of like even if it's at like a party that that people are expecting you to like be the guy and to Mm -hmm. get everybody riled up and bring the energy what's that what's that yeah i
2: did a um you know it's one thing to play at a bar and everybody's having a good time and you can kind of just know, fake your way through certain songs if you have to, but mm-hmm. it's another thing to play in someone's backyard for like 200 graduates, you know, mm. that are 18 years old and they listen to music that you've never heard before, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and yeah. and I'm doing my thing and, you know, you know, the, the, the parents asked me to play and well, they hired me to play and uh they said, you're going to play just for an hour, you know, in the back. And, and to be honest, like that to me, was a little bit more nerve wracking than, say, put me in front of 2,000 people at, at some big music venue, you know. Now yeah. it um, was a matter of being, you know, just being prepared and, and kind of at least knowing a couple of songs that were going to connect with the audience, you know, whether it be lyrically or tell a little story about the song before I play it, something like that. Uh, maybe crack a joke or two and just get people involved. I always like to get people involved in some way. I mean, I could have easily just sat in the corner and not said a word to anybody and just did my thing and gotten paid, you know, but I, yeah. I actually kind of, I find it, I, I give myself the challenge of, you know, let's get, let's, let's connect with everybody, the guy all the way in the back on the grill, let's get him involved, you know, let's yeah. all these kids involved, you know, cause it just makes it more fun and, and more memorable for everyone.
1: When we were younger and playing in bands, uh, our, you know, part of it was about the music, but part of it was about the networking aspect of it. And I remember quite a few times, like our band—I'm um, speaking of, of a band that I played in, independent of, of the bands you were in—but we'd go on at you know nine o'clock, but the last band wouldn't be going on until midnight. And I remember that I always stayed until the last band was, was done. I imagine you did as well. Mm-hmm. I had band members bandmates, not unlike those teachers I worked with, who were like, I'm not going to that party. you were like, I'm out of here. I've got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. But to me, it always mattered to have every last person there know that, yeah, you were up front when I played. I'm going to be up front when you play. I'm going to be clapping for you, even if I hate the music, right? Mm-hmm. Which is sometimes part of it. I'm going to be clapping for you. I'm going to be supportive of you. Uh, And then I'm going to shake your hand afterward. And I'm not for looking for like kudos for myself, though that's obviously a a part of it to get them to like, think, Hey, like this guy's like supportive or whatever, but for them to know, like, yeah, I stuck, like you were there for me. I Mm -hmm. I'm there for you. And I don't think that that's, I think that that's a a new idea uh, or, or a different idea for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I've mentioned Jesse Itzer a few times on this podcast, but one of Jesse's things is like, I stay, he's like, I'm I'm the, the last one. I stay until, I stay up until everybody's, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. the last one to go to bed. I stay mm-hmm. up until everybody's like gone and I like, and, and I'm, I make every last connection and this guy's achieved success that most people won't sniff. And so, I mean, first of all, did you do that same stuff with, with, I did. With, we were playing in the music day? Yeah,
2: the, there were a few times when our bands, you know, played separately or, or played. We played the same gig, but not in the same band. Yeah. And there were yeah. A few times when the two of us would be at midnight watching the, the last band yeah. stage. And what you realize, like you said, a lot of the guys would just leave. Like we play and then we go home and that's it. You don't see them till the next gig. But we would stay. And I think that not only... We learned something, I think, by watching some of these other bands, like, you yeah. know, either whether it be songwriting or whatever, but also, you know, they remembered us the next time they needed a band and they, you know, yeah. wanted us to play that gig. You that's know, right. it's, it's about that connection. And that's I think that's part of the reason why we did it. You know,
1: yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. I'll uh, We want to get to your song in a second. But before we go, just two more questions. What's the uh, I know you do still you do, do still play music, but talk to me about like a, a skill from your, your, your music days that you now use in your either graphic design or in your everyday life. So something around either collaboration or, you know, um, anything about just like the creative process and making like a lot of ideas fit into a, a like kind of a small space, which is what happens when you, when yeah. you write a song, Do, is there anything you can think of that you've transferred to, to this, to this life?
2: Yeah, I would say that, um, one of the similarities between songwriting and design specifically like branding, like logos and things is most of the time, I would say, you know, nine times out of 10, we tend to cram too much creative stuff into an idea, whether it be a song, you know, if it's, if it's like too many lyrics or mm. too many parts, the arrangements, and you can relate to this, like all of a sudden you have like nine verses and 10 courses, you know, or, or on the design side, you know, well, too many colors or too many font options, things like that. It's when we kind of take a step back and chip away and take things away, is usually for me when I kind of have that aha moment of like, oh, well, there it is. It was there all along. You just have to kind of remove some things to see it. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it makes total sense, man. It's really, that's incredible. Like It's part of that songwriting process. Uh, And I agree with you. I, I think for me, there's something about standing up in front of a room of people and saying, hey, I have an idea and pitching it to them and being able to explain it to people in a way that gets them bought into it. and I don't think enough people do that. I think we send emails and we kind of like halfway explain our ideas. And I think that there's something that I learned about being in a band, like advocating for your own ideas and certainly collaboration, which was was helpful. And, And also people telling me my ideas were terrible at 16, 17, 18 years old, whether they were or not. And I'm not saying I took it well back then, but getting me used to, being in my forties and people telling me my ideas are terrible and having that be a norm thing. But that really, that just like that standing up and saying like, Hey, here's my idea. Uh, and here's why it's good. And here's why we should think about, think about this in this way. I think that that's been incredibly valuable for me in this, in this, uh, in this career now.
2: Yeah. And by the way, your ideas are usually never
1: terrible. Well, I appreciate, (laughs) I appreciate that. Um, speaking of, uh, the opposite of a terrible idea, man. We're gonna get you to play a song. <laughs> cool. uh, tell us the uh, tell us the song you're gonna play.
2: Yeah. So um, this song, it's actually a pretty funny story. The it's the one and only time I actually wrote a song in my sleep, which yeah. it sounds crazy, but it actually happened. I have my uh, voice memos to prove it. Uh, I woke up like two o'clock in the morning and I had this melody first for this kind of like little almost like, I guess, Americana country, you know, rhythm and blues type of tune. And um, the lyrics actually started coming to me immediately about the correlation between a a husband and wife that have been together for, you know, 50, 60 years and a a vehicle, in this case, a Chevy, a Chevy 55. I'm not even a Chevy guy, but it it just came to me. So I started.
1: It it works melodically. It works. Yeah.
2: The best thing I did was grab my phone and sing the melody into, you know, underneath my pillow in the corner of my bed. I sang the melody so I wouldn't forget it. And then I immediately grabbed a pen and paper, which is like you have to do that. If you wake up in the middle of the night and you have an idea, you must grab pen and paper and write it down, right? I mean,
1: I couldn't agree, man. I have a pad and pen next to my bed. Yeah. I'm never going to remember the idea. And I'm constantly sending voice memos to myself like you did. If you looked at my phone like, Michael Sonbert has texted Michael Sonbert yeah. hundreds of things. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, going to be an easier way, right? It's probably going to be an easier <laughs> way. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm like, I have an idea. I'm like, I got to send that to myself. But yeah. So go, go ahead. Yes. So you had yeah, so, the lyrics
2: Yeah, yeah the, the whole thing. And I remember waking up the next morning or that morning and just being like, was that a dream? Like, did that really happen? And I looked over <laughs> and there it was. I mean, you know, 80% of the lyrics were done. I just had to kind of wake up, grab a cup of coffee and just finish it. And then I immediately recorded it that week while it was still fresh. And to be honest, if you listen to the structure of the song, it, it doesn't have much of a structure. It is not even a chorus. It's just, <laughs> you know, a verse. It's like four verses and that's it, you know, yeah, 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 just like this little ditty. But I enjoy playing it. People like to listen to it. It's become one of my staples in my set. So thanks for letting me play it for you.
1: All right, folks. Well, we're gonna do something we've never done before. Uh, Keith's gonna play a song for us. This is gonna be our outro for the episode. Please hang out for that. Before we get there, Keith, where can folks find you, man? Folks looking for music or graphic design support? Give us the yeah. uh, give us the handles.
2: On the uh, on the music side, it's keithhilly.com. That's H I L L E. And on the uh, graphic design side, it's Hilly Design h-i-l-l-e design.com
1: perfect well keith thanks so much man for everybody thank you the inspiration accelerator we appreciate you coming on uh folks enjoy some music and we'll see you next week thanks so much
0: This Chevy 55 from the outside looking good We're a mess under the hood The floorboard's full of holes And the engine's lost its soul There's duct tape on the seat By the belts and underneath Oh, down the open road we go Oh, burning fuel and leaking oil The radio won't rust But the speakers turn to dust We want out the wonder bar Push the dial way too far The carburetor leaks Spilling gas into the street I hope the engine doesn't burn Fingers crossed on every turn Oh, now we're making every light Oh, just ignoring all the signs Those years of grinding through the gears has blown out the exhaust, the manifold is lost, the chrome that used to shine like a Roosevelt dime is now tarnishing away to hide our younger days. A new car is all I see Thanks for joining us for this week's episode. Please look out for a new episode with a new guest every week. This was the Inspiration Accelerator with Michael Sonberg.